0: Genesis chapter 3, everybody. Familiar story. Here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat uh, fruit from the trees in the garden, but did God say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of the both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let me pray to start us off. God, this morning we, we come to you as we have set this time aside to receive. God, we want to recognize the good gifts you've given us. God, we we are so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for your uh, presence. We are so thankful for uh, what you are doing in us and around us. But God, there's another gift we need to be thankful for this morning. Would you show us what that is? I pray these things in your name. Amen. So what we learn in the creation story, in the creation account, is that there is a creator God. And this creator God has created humanity. And we are created beautifully. God says we are good. Uh, the, the created is good. And yet, we are created with limits. We are created with limits inside of us and around us. The creator and the created in the garden were at peace. So the question I always have with folks, uh, especially uh, who are, are struggling with or frustrated with the story of God, is why the tree Right? Like, why the tree? Like, if there just wasn't the tree, uh, the story would have been fine. We'd still be in the garden. It's kind of like the Star Wars story. If there just wasn't Padme, everything would have been fine. But the tree in the middle of the garden, it's like, why did God do that? Why did God put this tree in the garden and and then he tells Adam and Eve he says hey everything is totally on limits except for that and I think of like I mean, like was this tree like just so alluring was it just like in the middle was it beautiful more beautiful than all the other trees was there just like pulsating music and like this this attractive kind of quality to the tree that just pulled Adam and Eve towards it I don't know Well, we know that that God put limits to his creation he gave limits he he gave everything and yet gave limitation and I love this quote I, I've been thinking about this for a long time and um, just part of some of my reading I got this quote from Francis Schaeffer and he says this God has not made a bad tree He has simply made a tree. And there is nothing intrinsic about the tree that is different in any way from the other trees. Rather, God has simply confronted man with a choice. He could have just as well said, don't cross this stream, don't climb this mountain. He is saying, believe me and stand in your place as a creature not as one who is autonomous. Believe me and love me as a creature to his creator and, and all will be well. This is the place for which I have made you. So this is, this is kind of what we're, we're left with, with the story. God's authority and our limitation. The, 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 the idea that God's saying, I am finite. I mean, I am infinite. You are finite. That is our relationship. Will you trust me? Will you surrender to this goodness, the goodness of me being infinite and you being finite? Will you receive this gift of limitation? Well, we know the story in chapter 3, verse 4, the conversation with the deceiver. The deceiver says, You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You will be like God. You will be your own God. When you eat it, you will have, as described by the serpent, an unlimited experience. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The irony is the actual act of pushing past that limitation actually enslaved them actually enslaves us. See, we are just like this story in the sense that we want a life without limitation. We want a life that, um, that opens us up to a limitless experience. And, and, but the problem is, is that life was not what we were created for. We were created for a life with limits. Remember as a kid, and uh, some of you young parents are probably unknowingly passing this on to to your kids, but remember as a kid when your parents told you, you can be anything. You can do anything. And it just, after a while, it just became clear that, no, you can't. I mean, uh, you have two left feet and um, you're dumb as a brick. But the point is, is that your parents wanted to instill in you the ability to just shoot for everything. Like, go for it. Like, don't let anything hold you back. And that's, in some ways, a loving parent, right? I, I think of, like, the Disney songs, Right. Like uh, you know, for us older generation, it, like the Little Mermaid, the 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 song she sings. I mean, it's gonna get in your head right now. I'm about to I'm about to just incept you with a song, but the song of the Little Mermaid when she says, um, uh, "I want to be up there where the people are," you know. And, and, and I want to, you know, do all this stuff like the people up there in the real world, but she has limitations or think of, think of Frozen. Unfortunately, that was, uh, it was not a movie for when our kids were little. So I don't have all the Frozen stuff in my head, but here's a line from the, from Let It Go. And here you go. You may want to sing this out loud with me. I'm not singing. It's time to see what I can do. This is one of the stanzas in Let It Go. To test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. This is this idea of throwing off your limits. Uh, we want a life that is limitless in every direction. The problem is it brings bondage. It actually brings a sense of uh, trapped enslavement to our lives. And I think in some ways this is really a, a cultural thing. It's like a Western thing. Uh, 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 a society that is continually trying to improve and move and, and, and dream bigger and better and longer and faster and all of those things. But here's what ends up happening to us. Here's what we begin to feel. We begin to feel... That there's not enough hours in the day, not enough days in the week, not enough weeks in the year. We begin to feel that there's not enough energy and money and recreation and achievement. And we are left feeling overwhelmed. We are left feeling with a sense of, of not enoughness, discontent, a lack of joy. And, and that's kind of where we're at. And, and here's the thing, church I know this has been a heavy few weeks. But if we're going to become the kind of people that are following Jesus with our whole selves, with our entire being, we have to become aware and receive as a gift our limitations. The reality is you and I cannot be everything. We cannot achieve everything. We cannot be all things for all people. We cannot do all the things that our world tells us we can do if we just threw off our limitations. Today, I'm teaching something and I don't like it. (laughs) It's just like like some of you are going to go, is that a good sermon or not? I'm just telling you right now, I don't like this one. So think what you want at the end of the day. The point is, is that for me, this is a very frustrating conversation because I don't like limitations. I like to push. I like to learn things and achieve things. Um, I got this thing in me as a mid to late 40s, um, you know, dude that I want to be in better shape than I was when I was in my mid to late 30s. I don't want limitations. So the concept of giving, of receiving the gift of limits in my life, kind of makes me angry. So let's look at um, John the Baptist. I think John the Baptizer, who's this? If you're new to Scripture, is this kind of kind of crazy hippie-like character, and he's uh, he's got a role to play. And, and his role is to announce the coming Messiah, the Christ. And uh, he's, a, he's a dude that, that doesn't wear fancy clothes. He's kind of off in the wilderness and he, he eats locusts. He eats bugs and honey. I mean, he's just total organic dude, vegan dude, um, hanging out in the wilderness and 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 some people probably think he's kind of crazy, but listen to this. Listen to the, his life right here. It says this, John chapter one verse nineteen. It says and this is the Gospel of John, which is a different guy, John. But that just let you know. Okay, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So he's out in the wilderness. And the Jewish leaders send a, a, you know, a group of um, investigative journalists um, with an agenda, shocking, out to the wilderness to um, investigate John, to see who this guy really is. In verse 20, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Now they're, they're referring to a, a, a prophecy in Deuteronomy that talks about the one, right? The one to come. And he says, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet. and This comes out of Isaiah chapter 40. I am, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So he's basically saying my job is to make ready the people for Messiah, period. That's my job. And and John's being questioned, and he's got his followers with him. He's got his disciples. He's got people following him. Tons of people coming out to see him. They're getting baptized in the river. They're, They're preparing themselves for Messiah. Now skip down to verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John's out doing his job. And he sees the one who he's doing the job for. He's preparing the people. He's, making, uh, he's preparing the way for Jesus. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So just think about this. I mean, let's just be honest with our own like humanity and our own like identity, okay? Can you imagine what that would have been like? John's got followers. He's got disciples. He's got people following him in the wilderness. And Jesus comes along and they have a discussion about who Jesus is. And the people who were following him decide to follow Jesus. Like, like, I don't know, like, can you imagine what that would do to you? But it doesn't do that to John. Verse uh, 22 in chapter 3, it says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them, and baptized Now, John was also baptizing at the Aeon near Selim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. And it says in, in notes, this is before John was put in prison, which is another kind of bummer to his story, right? Like he does all this stuff preparing the way of the Lord and then he gets thrown in prison and ends up being beheaded. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. You yourselves can testify that I said. I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom Uh, Attends the bridegroom, waits and listens for him, but is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it, it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. Here's what's interesting John is completely comfortable with who he is, he's completely comfortable with his limits, okay? You know, at the start, everyone's following John. Everybody's like, let's check this John guy out. Let's go on a little voyage and see if we can catch up with John, the baptizer. And then, but things change. His first disciples leave and follow Jesus. And then everybody ends up abandoning John for Jesus. And you'd think he'd be get all sad about it. But he's like, no, that, that was the plan. That was what I was here to do. I have seen the joy, and it's complete. He goes. He says this in verse twenty-seven. A person can only uh, can receive only what is given them from heaven. Like John's, just got this real clear self awareness of who he is and who he's not. And 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 I think for you and I, it begins. We have to have have the conversation with ourselves. Like, who am I not? What am I trying to be? And that's not me. It's not a comfortable conversation. It goes all, it goes against all that we've been taught in our culture. I mean, check this out. And it actually goes in verse order here. Um, He says three times who he's not. He says, I am not the Messiah. Okay. I am not Elijah and I am not the prophet. I'm not, I'm not this, 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 or this. I'm not these things. But then he says, here's what I am. I am the voice. I am a voice of the one calling in the wilderness. I am a baptizer. I am unworthy. He talks about, I am unworthy to untie his sandals. So it's a stunning line in verse 30 when he says, he must become greater I must become less. Now, John, I mean, think about this guy. He's like this hot shot in town. He's edgy. He's a sharp agitator. His job is to get Israel ready for Messiah. He literally works himself out of a job, okay? And he's not bitter, and he's not stressed. He's not insecure. His hands are just open, okay, full of joy, And he celebrates the fact that Jesus is here and that he has fulfilled his work. Now, three things I think we need to understand about John. And I think this is really important for us in our apprenticeship to Jesus, because Jesus highlights these things as well in his life. The first one is John knew his identity, he knew his calling, and he knew his limitations. I mean the first thing is his identity. He knows that he is the voice calling in the wilderness. He knows that. And that has been something that has been been given to him and gifted by him by the Spirit, um, by the community in his life, saying, This is who you are. Um, he knows he's not Elijah, he knows he's not Moses, he's he's grounded in the scripture. The scripture has formed his, the narrative arc in his life. And that's why we love scripture so much. And that's why we believe it's so important and has authority in our lives. Because when we read scripture, when we read uh, the pages of the Bible, it, it gives us a better narrative script to live by than our culture gives us. And sometimes it really challenges us. And sometimes it really encourages us. And and John is saturated by the scripture story. And that becomes what he knows of who he is. His identity. He knew who God created him to be. And he, he knew what his true self was. His true self, his authentic self. And oftentimes when we get into times of real anxiety and real frustration and confusion in our life is because we don't know who we are. And like we talked about last week, the idea of our, our brains, like we read scripture and we understand who God's created us to be and we are the child of God and we are adopted into his sonship and God's family, but then life's hitting us. And we're pulled, and we're uh, and we're given all these other uh, things to like try to grab for. Uh, and one of those, to be honest with you, I'm just going to be really honest, is the American dream. Many of us think that that's the 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 life that God intended. It is not the life that God intended. It actually wars against the life that God intended. And so we need to consistently look at scripture and define what our true identity is. Our true identity is not a, a political ideology. Our true identity, or, or a way of living and consuming, our true identity is from God. As new creation, as, and, and, and the point is that all of us, are we stray from that identity. We're not comfortable with it. We keep trying to add that identity to other things. But God has created us to be a certain way, a certain person, a certain identity. I remember one time um, at the church I was at before, we brought in uh, a a number of worship leaders um, each Sunday uh, to fill in for a time we didn't have a consistent worship leader. I remember walking in one day And the worship band was practicing before the Sunday service. And this worship leader that we had, I'm like, man, he sounded, he sounded British. Um, He had this British accent in his in his singing. And this was back in the days when there was like a cool kind of British uh, uh, worship band called Delirious. And this guy's singing songs, and he sounds like the lead singer of Delirious with his British accent. And then they finish practicing and he comes off the stage and he comes up and he introduces himself and he just sounds like he's from South Carolina. And I'm like, w- I thought you were British. I was just like kind of floored by like, oh, well, you sound British up there, but you're just a dude from here. It just like threw me. It's just like, and, and I was reflecting on that. I was just made fun of them, um, you know, you know, in my mind. But the fact is, is that uh, so many of us try to be something else than what God actually intended us to be, and our life is fraught with frustration. Second thing that John knew is he knew he he knew what his calling was. Now this is a tricky one because. Um, we we wrestle with this too, but he knew that his whole agenda in life was to prepare the way for Messiah. He knew who he was, and he knew who his calling was. He knew his identity and his calling, and calling's a tricky thing. And especially in, um, you know, we talk about the difference between Jesus' day and ours. I mean, if you wanted to, uh, you didn't have the choice of what you wanted to be. You just learned what your dad did. If your dad was a fisherman, you fished. If your dad was a builder, you built. That's just what you did. So it's a tricky conversation when we talk about calling. We talk about vocation even. But calling, there's a sense in which you and I are built a certain way. And that there are things that bring us life when we do them. When we work at them. When we create. When we... Uh, uh, you know, calculate, when we strategize, when we do all these things, there's certain life that comes from within that we can't explain. It's it's like a calling. Now, it takes a community to figure this out. It takes the Spirit of God in us. It takes life to figure this out for us. Calling is not something we just decide one day. Calling is actually something we unearth in our lives, and, and we don't do this alone. And that's why it's so critical to have people in our lives that are at different places um, in their lives um, speaking into us and encouraging us and maybe challenging us. And, and, and this is like, hey, this is what God made you for. Like, I don't care where you do this to get a paycheck or you do this on the side. This is what God created you for. And it's just such a special thing. When you know someone who is, who's got, who, whose identity is solid, and they, they're no, they know who they are and they know what their calling is, um, it, it becomes so much of an anchor for us because we can, we, can, we can learn and yearn for that to be the case in our lives. And so um, God has made you and made me for things. But he hasn't made me and you for all things. You can't do all things. And you will hurt yourself, and you will hurt others if you try. And then the the final thing he knew he he knew uh, that John kind of was really really aware of was his limitations. John knew who he wasn't, and um, that you know one of the dangerous things that we learn um, in and we we adopt is that we can do anything, and. Um, that we can we can be an astronaut or a physicist or a, you know a star a singer you know you've seen these poor people on American Idol back in the day when they would just show up and their parents thought they were the greatest thing ever and just either lied to them or were just talent they just had no idea what talent was and these poor people just have to rethink their whole lives because they were just awful at singing and and, and, and I think that we do ourselves a disservice by telling ourselves that we can do anything. I cannot do anything. And all I can be is myself. All I can be was what God created me to be. And some things I do really well, and some things I don't do really well, and some things I flourish in, and some things I don't flourish in. And that's okay, because God has given me capacity and limitation. God has given me capacity to live up to, and he's given me limitation to receive as a gift. And so the question I have for myself, and maybe the question you need to ask yourself is, what are, what are my limitations? What are the things that God has given me that I really can't go further on? And, and this is really important. This is really important. This is like self-awareness 101. 101 because some of us have the limitation of our personality. I mean, personally, let me just say this. Um, I've been taught in planting church world that I need to be a CEO, okay? But that's not my personality. That's not my personality. That's not how we work. I'm very collaborative. Um, I, I would rather spend time uh, encouraging people one-on-one and in, in a community like this than than growing some big mega operation. I'm not a CEO. That's that's not me. And it's actually when I realized that that I really started to enjoy being a pastor with you. Second thing we need to realize, like another limitation for us is our seasons of life. Some of you are in a season of life right now where you have small children. and, And you just like... Uh, the capacity to do the things that you want to do and God's called you to do and all those things are just really a little less, maybe a lot less. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you have elderly parents that you're uh, working with and caring for. Maybe you have a, maybe you're in a, in a season of preparation in college or in, or in your career. And all of these seasons of life come with Limitations. And they're actually a gift. And that we need to receive them as a gift. Maybe there's a life situation that you're in. Maybe you're single and you think that that's a limitation. Paul actually says, no, that's not a limitation at all. Actually, it unencumbers you to serve God in many ways that you couldn't if you were married. They say that you know, maybe you're married, maybe you're newly married, no children, maybe you're married with little children, maybe you're married with older children, and you're just learning what it looks like to be married again without having to deal with making all these decisions for your children. These are all different stages of life. And they all have limitations. Maybe there's some physical and emotional capacity that you have. That how much you can do physically and how much you can do emotionally is changing. Maybe some of you are just feeling at the peak of your physical ability. And you just can do this and this and this and run, 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 run. And some of you, you're doing less. And you're frustrated. And it just takes effort to just do smaller tasks. Some of you emotionally, you're going through it right now. You are exhausted emotionally. You, are, you don't have the capacity that you used to have for people. Maybe that's a gift right now. Maybe you just got to give yourself the grace to pull back and say, this is, this is what I have capacity for, and I'm going to do my best with it. See, the reality is we all have limits. And I think to be emotionally healthy, okay, is, is to understand these limits and actually receive them as a gift, that actually, is something we can worship God with. The invitation is to receive the gift of limits. And most of us don't like to receive the gift of limits, we fight them we try and push past them. And uh, there's this book, there's actually this movie called Limitless with Bradley Cooper. It's an older flick, and uh, Bradley Cooper is like this struggling writer, and he gets writer's block, and he stumbles on this drug called end something or other. And when he takes it, it's like he can just focus. And he ends up in like three days writing this bestseller, world bestseller book in the movie, and he keeps wanting to take this drug and learn. He learns Mandarin and all this stuff. And he's like running for president. It's this crazy thing. And this, this movie is really interesting because it's... And it's super depressing, in my opinion, at the end. Because ultimately, there's no real satisfaction. Ultimately, he is blowing past all the limitations that God has given him. And so he's not able to worship God. He's not able to rely on He's not able to trust And as human beings, that's what we do. We want a limitless life. We want a limitless experience. And everything is, all the advertisement we're flooded with is, you can travel here, you can go there, you can eat this, you can work out here, you can have this body, you can have this personality, you can have this family, you can have this dream. But God created us with limits. And the limits are actually the way we worship God. That we surrender control, that we surrender to our creator, our infinite creator. We surrender our finite createdness. I was in seminary. Seminary was a difficult place for me because there were a lot of smart people there. And the track and seminary I, tr- I chose to take was one in the area of theology. And it's super nerdy, and you read a lot of big books, and there's a lot of big words. And I was the only pastoral student in this track. I remember one day being in class, and it's me. And it's eight other students and eight other students who are all pursuing a Ph.D. Meaning after they finished seminary, their whole goal was to pursue onward to Ph.D. So they wanted to to write and to do these really huge things. One guy wanted to write his own systematic theology for his denomination. I mean, just really smart, smart, impressive people. And I remember my professor pulled me aside one day after class. And he said, Ryan, he's like, I know you're a pastor, and I know you want to be a pastor, and I know you don't want to go on to be a PhD student. He's like, stop trying to be one. Stop trying to talk like these guys do and write like these guys do. Just be you. Write as a pastor. And I actually teared up because for one of the first times, he gave me permission to be me. And he's like, that's not you. This person that you're trying to be, that's not you. Just be you. And from that point on, I was able to flourish. I was able to be the person God told me to be in that way. Uh, Here's a great quote from this, this guy, Pete Scazzaro. He writes, emotionally healthy people understand the limits God has given them. They joyfully receive the one, two, seven, ten talents God has so graciously distributed. And as a result, they are not frenzied and covetous, trying to live a life that God never intended. They are marked by contentment and joy. Last week, uh, the leadership team got a chance to meet. And one of the things we talked about was just who we are as a church. And you know what's really interesting is that we are a church with limits. We don't have a building. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, we don't have a building. And I got to borrow this one on, on, on teaching times, right? Um, we, we have a small staff. Um, but I just want you to know that I am just, I'm more confident with God's sense of who we are as a small community and meeting in house churches right now, I'm more, I'm more convinced that God has us in Arvada, in, in this place we're in, for a reason. That God is, is, is shaping us and, and, and with our limitations to be the kind of people that he wants us to be. And so how do we figure this out on our own? Well, it, it's going to require some self-inventory. And these are those places where you need to ask those why questions again. Why am I frustrated? Why am I angry? Why am I confused? Why am I disappointed? Why am I so stressed? These are all the the warning side indicators on the dashboard that are telling us that we may not be living okay within the limitations that God has given us. And you're probably asking, like, Ryan, are you telling us to... To not dream big dreams and not to shoot for the stars? (laughs) Maybe. Actually, maybe there are better dreams. Maybe there's a better way for God to flourish within you. Maybe the, the Spirit is trying to tell you, hey, you're trying to be this person, but I've created you for something better. Maturity in life. And I read this quote the other day, maturity in life is when somebody is living within their God-given limits. This is what the Sabbath is. For the people of Israel, this is what the Sabbath was. It was a weekly reminder that we have limits as human beings. That God creates us to work and flourish and obey and love and rest Rest in the surrender that God is not only in control, but that God has our best in mind. And you might say, hey, Ryan, I'm just not there yet. I, I get it. And I'm going to encourage you to practice the Sabbath, to take um, some of the practices that we've put on our website. We've actually kind of written out some, some thoughts on the Sabbath. Like, what if you practice that? What if you spent a day in rest? in worship and thanksgiving and maybe part of that conversation that day for you and for your spouse or your friendships is what are my limitations? Like really what are what are my limitations? What am I keep trying to achieve? What do I keep trying to do that I'm just not created for? What is my season of life? What is my what is my place right now? What is God trying to tell me right now? That I need to worship God with this limitation. There's this temptation for us to be needed more and more. There's this temptation in us, and and when you go back to the garden conversation, you got you got this infinite God who's who's omniscient, who's omnipresent, who's you know um, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and all-knowing, all. Uh, everywhere at once and all-powerful. And and Jesus, in a sense, lays this down. We read this in Philippians 2. He lays down the God card to become human for us. He puts in pl- himself in humanity with limitations. And then we're actually supposed to apprentice him. We're supposed to Acknowledge our limitations and live our lives. And the problem is, is that we keep trying to be God. We keep trying to grasp that sin in the garden and claim it as ours. This, this idea that our eyes will be open. We can experience this limitless life. We end up killing ourselves and hurting people. Jesus had limitations he put himself in a place of free will and volition. And Jesus said no all the time. Jesus actually ascends into heaven and he leaves and, and, and he stretches out his arms on the cross when he, and, and, and he says, it is finished, but he leaves the earth and there's still sick people. There's still people who are, uh, you know, Just riddled with demonic influence. And he says at the end, he says, it is finished. He doesn't finish everything. And part of our identity and our calling is to finish what Jesus started to heal, to rescue. And we have limitations. And when we come to peace with those limitations, we actually create the room in our lives and the margin in our lives to actually do what God called us to do. So here's the questions for today. Who are you? What's your identity? What has God called you to do? What are the things in this world that make you mad, or what are the things in this world that bring you the the most amount of joy? In how can you how can you live more into your true God given self? What were you made for? What were you not made for? What are your limitations? And and where are you living outside of them? And this might be really important to do in community or with your spouse or with your friends, close friends. Where are you living outside of your God-given limitations? Let me pray. God, this morning, we want to just take a moment and receive from you with your spirit at work in us God, we need to hear what our limitations are. And for some of us this morning, they're very clear. Maybe a physical limitation. It might be a a life, season of life limitation. It may be a, a capability limitation in our lives. But God, we want to receive that as a gift this morning. Because we want to trust in your authorship for our lives. You authored us. You created us. You specifically breathed life into us. Limitations and all. And God, because of that, we want to thank you. We want to trust you. And we want to worship you. May this be a way that we can worship you in in a fresh way this morning. God, give us the courage to ask the questions. We pray these things in your name. Amen.